0: Rachel J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we are going to have a very special show. We have invited back one of my favorite people, Jacqueline Miller, who is the author of a book, anthologist of a book, called The New Heart at Work. She actually first wrote it uh, some years back and uh, co-authored with uh, Jack Canfield, and she has since, with her other dear friend and colleague Heidi Alber, revised the book entirely and upgraded it and added to it and really changed its entire, entire ethos around to a whole other level, and that will be the subject of at least the first part of our show today. Then we will move into... uh, A whole other hat that Jackie wears, largely, which has to do with her being the co-founder with her husband, Andrew Michael, of Partnerships for Change, a nonprofit organization that is doing exceedingly wonderful work in different parts of the world, largely Asia, now starting in the United States. And we'll get an update on the kind of work that Partnerships for Change has been doing so uh, just to tell you, I'm actually in the book. I wrote a chapter for her latest version of Heart at Work. It's a very heartfelt book, and I really was uh, privileged to be part of it. And I'm also on the advisory board of Partnerships for Change because I feel so good about the work that they are doing and really love to stand, and A Better World stands completely behind what they do. So, Jackie Miller, welcome to a better world. It's great to have you back.
1: Well, thank you, Mitchell. And you are one of our very most favorite people, so I'm really really happy to talk to you any any time I can get an opportunity so even if it's even <laughs> if you only talk to me on your radio show, it's very nice to speak with you.
2: <laughs> You're funny. <laughs>
0: I'm not limited to that, Jackie. You know that. (laughs) The door is always open, my dear, but I enjoy a good joke. It's always wonderful. Um, It's so nice to have you. And, of course, your husband, Andrew, Michael, has been on as well and uh, and on A Better World TV. That's how we first met. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful exchange and relationship we've had since, really, since the late 1990s. It seems like forever, a very good forever, and I, I so appreciate it. So, Jackie, you continue to do such good work. Tell us about what inspired the new face of Heart at Work. What did you have in mind? And uh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, you know, it's it's really built on the unexpected success of our last book, which, as you know, was – translated into nine languages is available in over 11 countries and the Wonderful. first um the first two months it went on the best list so i mm-hmm. i just can't say enough for the importance of transformation in business and how we really look at the, the the most important part of of work that you know we're not dealing with just corporations but we're dealing with and human beings that make up those corporations. And we when we pay attention to the softer issues, primarily um, the the power of empowerment, it really does impact the bottom line. So we've taken a a, a whole look at, through a lot of research, and, and this is not just a lot of fluff, a lot of airy-fairy stuff, but we've really looked at the economics of emotional literacy in the workplace and the economics of paying attention to um, empowerment and recognition and giving people a sense of belonging and a sense of power and control over their job and their lives. One thing that we've um, learned time and time again in business is the power of those four-letter words. And by that I mean the power of love in the workplace, the power of, what it means to be kind in the workplace, and what it means to care to really care for each other and the products and the quality of our work, and the impact that our work and our jobs have um has on the the environment so one thing um I think I just want to mention is is um what you you contributed to the book, Mitchell was really. Very, very important. And you talked about um, sacred stewardship, the relationship between the environment and business, and yeah. the whole paradigm of cooperative winning. And so often, you know, it's it's a battle. It's always we versus they, and and there's never yeah. a win-win uh, concept <clears throat> at all. It's always bigger is better, and and if um, you know we can succeed. It, it it really, um, it doesn't matter who we kill. And literally, what we found, the reason we do these books every five or ten years is because so much happens and there's an evolution in the workplace, but also there's a de-evolution, de-evolution excuse me, and things really happen that are terrible. For example, we are, in addition to books, we've also been um, producing a number of, award-winning documentaries, the most recent is a a documentary called Who Pays the Price, and it's the human cost of electronics with Mm. Heather White, who is a brilliant, brilliant scientist, a brilliant expert on supply chain. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when work kills, it's time to take action. And a lot of people don't know this, but our wonderful iPhones that we're using currently, probably right now to do this interview, um, (laughs) are literally killing people in China. When Foxconn, who's a subcontractor for for Apple in China, Mm -hmm. couldn't make the demand for the iPhones that everyone here wanted so badly and everyone was waiting in line for, um, they subcontracted to another subcontractor, and there are no requirements or no restrictions on the use of benzene, which is a highly carcinogenic chemical, and they've been using the benzene to wipe down the computers and the iPhones, and guess what? Occupational Mm. leukemia at the highest alarming rate. Thousands and thousands of workers, young kids that are simply... Getting these jobs to support their families are dying. So hmm. um, we were able to do a yeah. really solid um, uh, series on the abuse in the Chinese laborers um, labor camps around technology. So having said that, that is why has we that film, been released, in- well, has that film been released, Jackie? What has that film been released? It, we're working on completing it currently. It's going to its final edit right now, actually, in the Berkshires. Um, oh. The um, Wired magazine just did a cover story on it. It was unbelievable. Oh, um, wow. Put it on YouTube, and it got over a million hits just last oh, month. My. So um, we are definitely... You mean the whole film to, uh, or magazine.
0: sections of the film?
1: Sections of the film on YouTube, yes. So um we will be um releasing it very soon and hopefully SunDance and um other venues and then um uh CNN the BBC and Al Jazeera have expressed keen interest in um uh picking it up. So it, 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 the main part that I really want everyone to take away from this film is first of all Heather White is probably the most talented Communicator of our time, she's brilliant. She's smart, and she's an outstanding investigative journalist and researcher. And so much so that this film is so accurate and so on target that the Chinese government has been giving it airtime
2: because Legally. it's
1: not the Chinese government that's killing these people. It is the Apple. It is Apple, Foxconn, and their their kind of global. Uh, business yes. partners. So when yes. um, when you know when when you were talking uh, in your chapter, getting back to hard at work about the yes. importance of you know this whole thing in business and and eco business, I think that yes. that what we can do is I, I think we need to take your your chapter, Mitchell, and send it to Apple. Because I don't think that they've understood the importance of what's happening because there's clearly no win-win here. And and literally, people are dying so that Apple wins and their profits win. And they're the most uh, outrageously uh, successful company. They're the number one largest uh, company in the world right now. They can spare to not kill, I I would think. um, I agree, Jackie. I
0: I think it's... uh... Yeah, I'm sorry. Please go on.
1: Oh, so you know, there's there's no moderation here. There's no uh, yes. uh, sense of eco friendliness. There's nothing. Right. No about, win-win.
0: No win-win. There's right. no
1: win-win. There's no ecological, <clears throat> ethical, or humane humane part of their business. It's all about profit. So what we we see
0: here is uh, a latter-day expression of the same phenomenon that's been going on for, if not uh, thousands of years, probably thousands, certainly many hundreds, and also certainly since the Industrial Revolution. uh, It has intensified with the working conditions in England, for instance, at the the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, and childhood labor, which was nothing short of what we refer to today as childhood slave labor. It's another form of human trafficking, really. So we see Mm -hmm. that we didn't have to go as far as the what we call third world countries or developing countries, or far away Asian countries, but right here in our own European and American backyards, Jackie, this kind of horrific, egregious moral or lack of moral attitude toward others in the workplace has been going on. Uh, You know, I mean, I don't have to, I mean, right i mean it's been going on i mean just the entire slave trade of from africa to the United, to the colonies you know to south america to the caribbean i mean this has been going on for a long time so what you're saying it's no less horrific in fact perhaps it's more horrific that the icon of a company apple is perpetuating this kind of madness when it has this sort of faux image of being a people friendly company. And your film and everything you've been sharing with us here at A Better World shows just the very opposite. But I want to bring forward that it's within a context of abusiveness, <clears throat> of, of, uh, of, uh, different kinds of the the worst of the human shadow just keeps popping up because it shows greater economic profitability. So one of the good things that, you know, Heart at Work does and your work and ours here at A Better World is showing that there are multiple bottom lines, you know, from a business point of view. And happiness and well-being among the employees is one of the central ones, not money. In fact, money is way down the totem pole if you really want to look at it from a, let's say, a higher, more humanitarian point of view. And I believe that that is the direction, despite appearances that we're going in. Your comments?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I know that the the whole uh, future needs to incorporate Uh, so many more aspects, particularly as as, as businesses do their strategic planning and look at the future, if they do not incorporate kindness, love, and a whole deeper level and a a whole new paradigm, um, we will end up in the proverbial we versus they, us versus them, and yes. they'll, that will be the the real nation of of uh, humanity as we know it. Absolutely. And it has really? to it has to uh, it has to stop. You know, just uh, one more thing about Heather White. She is the um, one. She is the person that called out Nike for all the sweatshops oh, really? in Vietnam. Oh, really? She also called out Nike and all the manufacturers, the Gap, cetera, uh, in the tech oh. Oh, so wow. she has a whole series of books and documentaries that we're currently uh, working with her on, and I'm just so proud to be um, her exec, one of her executive producers on "Who Pays the Price," because that's really what it gets down to, is that we will all pay the price. Eventually. Yes, indeed. But, yeah.
2: Indeed. But, you know, on
1: the library. Yeah. On the lighter that note, is I'm
0: one so, of us. I'm so glad that you found each other so you can help broadcast, quite literally, um, the work in her books because we're becoming more and more a visual culture and fewer people are reading and more people are watching. So it's a very, that's a match made in heaven. I'm really glad to hear it. Yes, please. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Just so, um, just, uh, the, the, the one thing that I'm so really, really over the, over the moon proud about for the new heart at work, the new book is that Mark Benioff, he took time to acknowledge our book and has done so every chance that he gets, but on the cover of our book, he wrote a fabulous testimonial for us and, yes, he did. um, for those of you who, who don't don't know, is Mark is the founder and the CEO of Salesforce. He's also mm-hmm. a best-selling author. He wrote a great book called Behind the Cloud and also The Business of Changing the World and mm. Compassionate Capitalism. So Mark recently was able to stand in his truth, and as a business leader, he – refused to do business with the state of Indiana when Mike Pence said he was not going to allow uh, and and uh, help uh, gays and lesbians, and he mm-hmm. put up that ridiculous statement. Well, yeah. Mark said no business for Indiana, would not allow Salesforce to do any business there, would not allow any of his vendors to do any business there, would not allow to, any of his employees to go to Indiana. And because mm-hmm. he restricted all commerce, Mike Pence, the governor of Indiana, had to invoke his his edict and allow um, equality for gay and lesbians in Indiana. And, of course, it didn't hurt that Mark is the icon and so respected in Silicon Valley, and he was able to call yes. up all his buddies, and all the other companies followed suit. So. Right. I just can't say enough about about Mark Benioff and his level of kindness and goodness. And he is all about love, all about being kind, and all about mm. his incredible capacity to care for his people, to care for others, to care for just the poorest of the poor. And I just have to say now that he's uh, going to be one of the leaders in this environmental um, uh, a paper that they're writing uh, This month that will be out in July At the Vatican So I'm At the on Vatican the environment. Really? At the, at the Vatican for the environment Yes, so we're really excited about that And I just want to Just say how Just over the moon I am About Mark's incredible leadership But also Jeffrey Sachs Who again Shows up and shows us all the way to be, and and I don't know if you were able to see Jeffrey at the right hand of the Pope at the Vatican when they had the the last gathering on the environment in, in Rome, but it was quite impressive. So Jeffrey, Very I, I think with Jeffrey Sachs and Mark Benioff, I think we're all, I think we're going to be okay as a, as far as humanity goes.
0: I like that I like that, but I would throw in Jackie Miller there too <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> oh no i'm I'm a, I'm a nobody <laughs> these these are these are people that are really, really doing it, really doing it that's
2: um you wonderful. know, and I
1: say too that i just i've just um come from speaking at John's Hopkins um at a medical um meeting that they had in their. OBGYN department and I am so impressed with the level of of advanced uh kindness if you will and the mm-hmm. research that they're doing in that department is just it's just mind blowing um I just I, Re- I in in what really respects Well do you know that they first of all they are always the leaders every year in in their field in the entire world but they have done such work in global health. Not only have they supported partnerships for changes work in the most remote place on earth, in the upper Himalayas, in <clears> Upper <throat> Dolpo in Nepal, to do a rescue yeah. mission and to do a yeah. uh, wonderful uh, research and analysis of motherhood at fourteen thousand feet at these incredibly high altitudes, which they yeah. came back and wrote an incredible paper and did a marvelous presentation on and they continue to support partnerships for change in our health clinics that we're building around the world but
2: mm-hmm.
1: they they have gotten so incredibly skilled in technology and here's the flip side to Apple who's killing people with technology but they are saving lives with technology they medical technology in, utero in in almost the most finite technology where they're able to, in utero, go in and correct an abnormality in uh, uh, the fetus, mm. so the child is able to live and not die in utero, but also to be born healthy that yes. no one else on the earth is doing this. this high That's remarkable. Work. Is it oh, using so- some
0: kind of medical technology?
1: It is the most minute form of, uh, of laparosc almost lap- laparoscopic, where they go in to the 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 baby, the, the the fetus, and on monitors they're able to correct and see what they're doing with these tiny, tiny, microscopic, literally under microscopes mm-hmm. uh, devices. And it's really it's really quite quite remarkable. So extraordinary, sort of, extraordinary. Uh, they are breaking breaking ground every day there, and uh, it's no uh, joke that I I really think that if they restructured that that hospital, the um, there's one woman there who heads up maternal fetal health named Karn Blakemore, Doctor Karn Blakemore, and I. I Definitely. I think she should be the chief kindness officer at Johns Hopkins. <laughs> In
2: well, you know, that's a very interesting
0: idea because – this kind of new officers in the company are beginning to show themselves. I've heard of such things and in fact I think there's some reference to it in your book, The New Heart at Work. Um, Certainly one of the things that you've been doing a lot so far on today's show, Jackie, is acknowledging a lot of people from Mark Benioff to the Johns Hopkins people to Heather White and in your book and as I know in your life that is a very important feature of it which I think is fabulous and it is in mine as well which is the power of acknowledgement and the work of Mike Wyman who is one of the authors in the book as well could you speak a little bit about that cuz this is a a part of and you know I where I come from with my background in psychology and holistic practice it show, what we see is when people are acknowledged, it actually has a cellular effect on them. Immune function increases and improves because there's greater oxygenation in the cell and serotonin increases. There's an entire neurophysiological profile that occurs when people are kind to one another when people are grateful to and for each other and when people acknowledge each other
1: Exactly exactly and the if there was a master of acknowledgement in the world Michael Wyman would be that unfortunately he's no longer with us but his whole life dedicated to the power of acknowledgement his books were written they were titled The Power of Acknowledgement. He taught
2: Indeed. programs
1: and courses and seminars and on the power of acknowledgement and the amazing power of acknowledgement and how it really does uplift. I mean, and, and we're talking about accurate acknowledgement. We're not just talking about acknowledging everyone, but we're talking for results-oriented, results-based, and and all the – did I lose you?
0: Oh, no, not at all.
1: Oh good, oh good, okay. Something just flashed on my, my uh my screen here. But the results that are due someone, then that acknowledgement really makes all the difference. So um
0: you know I yeah, that I can give a clear example of that, uh, which is that uh, many years ago through you he came to my place with a group of four black men who had formed a group called Beyond Belief. Each one of them had been down and out and had been an alcoholic, had been on the streets, were drug addicts living out of shopping carts under bridges in different parts of Manhattan or the boroughs. They ended up at uh, the Bowery Mission cleaned up their act, and formed an acapella group. And they would go around singing beautifully and educate kids, largely, about staying away from drugs and alcohol and leading a clean, healthy, you know, love-based life. And in this case, wow. also a spiritually based life. It was so beautiful. That, Jackie, was an example of uh, acknowledgement, sort of in the raw, in the flesh. And for me, it was, I. to this day, I say, that was one of the most fun and meaningful interviews I have ever done with those four Aww. gentlemen. Okay? Truly. he He is
1: Truly. great. He Really knows how to do that and and he knew how to do that and he he would literally find the most down and out human being and show his give you proof because he would take a person who had nothing at the time um really going for them um that one could see and turn them all into these incredible uh successful human beings. Self reliant yeah. self reliant uh individuals and, and I, I one of my favorite stories, Michael Wyman's stories, um and he was the ultimate trainer, ultimate coach. He was a coach to coaches. And uh-huh. he 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 talked his friend um who's a, a doctor and another colleague um, they had gone to see the, the Rangers play, and uh, the Rangers had never won a Stanley Cup. They had never won really anything, and they were, like, last in last place for the season. And he mm-hmm. and his buddies, at the end of the game, they walked across the ice, and they went into, I think his name was Craig Patrick at the time. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Or I wouldn't um, know. Coach of the, the Rangers, and they went into his office unannounced, uh, and just showed up at the door, and and uh, also the uninvited. Says, uninvited, and the the the, um, uh, the, the coach says, "Well, uh, you know, who are you? What? What are you doing here?" And he was quite upset because he just lost the game. And Michael Wyman looks at him and goes, "Well, we're the three wise men, and we're here to grant you anything you want." <laughs> and the coach looks at him, and he goes, oh, my God, well, I want to win a Stanley Cup. I want to win something. And Michael goes, your wish is our command. And he worked with him. And you know what? They won every game from then on and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So that was oh Michael Wyman. He would just God. show up. He would show up, as you said, uninvited and unannounced, And he would turn the morale around. He would turn... The 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 future. He created people's futures and and uh, really worked directly with sports teams and and uh, business teams and uh, really and and a lot of social entrepreneurs. He he worked at the United Nations. He did a lot of really great work with a lot of the environmental leaders, particularly at the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro. And in fact, he got us to. Rio de Janeiro, where
0: the earth comes back in 1992. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So interesting. Yeah. And, of course, he's in the book. Let's let everybody know you were listening to A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and sometimes throughout the week as well and you can always listen and most people do I know in archive it's always a pleasure you can get onto our free newsletter at a abetterworld.tv abetterworld.tv where you'll also see listings of our weekly uh, television show in New York City uh, it's aired on Manhattan Cable Network at 7pm but you can also listen and watch online at a TV. Today we're spending the entire program with Jacqueline Miller, the author, co-author, anthologist of The New Heart at Work, which is the focus of our dialogue today. And also we're looking at Partnerships for Change and some of the good work we're weaving here, uh, some of the good work that it is doing, uh, using these days films for making some very powerful uh pronouncements about and reports about what's going on in the interface of technology and human life and it's very important the work you're doing Jackie I'm so applauded I acknowledge it uh I let's say also um going back to the book for a moment uh you have just some outstanding people among whom are Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and Marianne Williamson and uh, both have been, by the way, on either A Better World TV Thich Nhat Hanh or Marianne has been on A Better World Radio a number of times on this show as well. So, Khalil Gibran, I mean you have really gone down and deep to get just wonderful, wonderful examples of how to bring self-esteem humanity, kindness, cooperation, you know neuroscience these days is showing us that these, are, these cooperative characteristics are actually what keeps us alive it keeps the species surviving, which is our sort of a psychobiological, perhaps spiritual mandate, you know, as a species to keep it alive, it's not through killing It's not through murder. It's not the notion of survival of the fittest. That's not true. It's been proven that uh, kindness, love, social cooperation, working together are the things that actually brings our species through the darkest moments and greatest challenges. Your comments?
1: Absolutely. It is. It's and we can lead. But, you know, it may sound really corny, but people can lead with their heart, and yeah, and really show and model what it is to be human. And, and then, then there's a way. Then there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That when we do not take the, the altitude and, and show in everything we do a new way, and and you know, I always say the main thing that needs to happen in the world today. We need to teach people how to be human again, because people exactly. have lost their humanness. They have lost. They don't know how to be human. We bury ourselves in our computers. We bury ourselves in our in our technology. In we our technology world. world, we hide from the world. And then there's the, 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 there's such grief, there's such suffering that we can just with a click of wrist turn it off so we can we can hide from things we can choose not to see things, and we we really do not even honor the right for others to be happy or to have joy and I just um I just can't say enough about the importance of of travel and and reaching out and seeing what really goes on in the world outside of our ivory towers or our you know wonderful little communities um one thing we do at Partnerships for Change is we, we do learning journeys or spiritual safaris if you will, but we take people on on trips and adventures to to India, to Burma, to Cambodia, to South Africa, where we help people see their own power to to change, to make a difference in people's lives. And a lot of times when people don't want to go because they feel so helpless. But when you show people that they're they are in a position to help others and you show them how to help responsibly then they really light up and they 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 kind of refine their muscles in their heart if you will to reach out to help others because they know how to do it and they know that they can do it otherwise Absolutely. they just think they're they're in total overwhelm people are so uh they they just don't think they can do anything and they shut down and they choose not to see they choose not to look, and the problems get worse and worse so yeah, I would say that that we need to reach out that there there benefits to compassion um and those benefits benefit the giver more than they do the receiver in well, every it's interesting. Way and
0: your uh, several of your trips to, to India, you and Andy, your wonderful husband, have uh, included meeting with the Dalai Lama, talk about compassion, and dealing with, to some extent, the Tibetan Buddhist community, and their outreach, dealing with some lamas who are going to those remote places in the Himalayas where there is a culture, unfortunately, of some different forms of child abuse and have done remarkable things in saving many girls and bringing them to a new environment and new freedom and uh, education. Would you tell us a little bit about that project as well as a few others that Partnerships for Change have been uh, pioneering?
1: Oh, well, yeah, I'd love to. Um, one of the, the, the areas of Partnerships for Change that we've been working on is is supporting um, and building capacity for, uh, we call them, our spiritual entrepreneurs. And And our spiritual entrepreneurs are, we're a very non-denominational organization and we're a United Nations NGO and we work with monks and Catholic priests and nuns and Hindus and sadhus and and atheists and and people that are, and we do a lot of work with the Theravadic Buddhist monks as well mm-hmm. as the Tibetan Buddhist monks. So one of our, um, and they find us. I have no idea. They, we're, we're headquartered in the Presidio of San Francisco, and literally someone <laughs> will hear about us and bring someone, and they just literally knock on the door. So one of our monks, um, um, we is is a wonderful, incredible humanitarian um, named Lama Tenzin Tshogdul, and Lama Tenzin is a Tibetan Buddhist monk. He's uh, all, he's in the humanitarian hall of fame with Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama because yeah. he is he risked his life time and time again to save these children that would have died in remote areas and the um, an area in Upper Nepal um they have a, about 50 or 60,000 um literally the indigenous tibetans have have escaped from tibet and settled in this area and there's something incredibly interesting about the genetic their dna of these indigenous tibetans first of all secondly they have a very um a very interesting culture and they they have oh, Tibet, ancient tibetan tibetan beliefs have a lot of uh um, well i'm not gonna say um i better say this very carefully um they they have a very interesting belief system that uh that girls are are if they're born with a deformity it is a very bad omen so a a girl if a girl is born. Or any child really, but a girl, you mean bad you mean bad a, omen, a bad omen, bad sign, bad omen, and they are bad karma, not no
0: doubt, bad karma,
1: oh really, the worst, so they're forced to be raised they they put them out to be raised by the cattle, they are not allowed inside any of the huts, and they the mothers basically have to to put their child out to die. So what Mama Tenzin does is he goes and he rescues these kids and he brings them carries them out. Now these are twenty day trips, ten hour day trips into the upper Himalayas. He crosses the um, these inc- uh, unbelievably high altitudes, seventeen thousand feet altitude. He has to cross four times to get to this remote area. So the these kids, he goes, he saves their lives. He brings them back and, and as little babies. He brings little babies back. He's, he raises them in a place in northern India, in Derudan, India, where they are given the finest education in a private school, a private English-speaking school. They're given unbelievable love, care, food, spiritual teaching, and... I just can't say enough for what he does for these kids. And, again, I have to thank Mark Benioff that these kids now, the four oldest kids, and we've been doing this for, for over 20 years, the four oldest kids are in college, um, and they're in a very good school. One's studying to be a software engineer. Someone else is studying to be an accountant, uh, business leader. Someone else is in, in fashion design. So, I mean, these are really – um, great stories where these kids would have died and now they're thriving. So
0: And what, what is Mark but, Benioff's role in that?
1: He's been um one of our champions and one of our supporters and, and uh oh, okay also, of partnerships
0: for change yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And he's uh he's also um in uh later on in this year in twenty fifteen in the Late fall, we are bringing the um, uh, medium of the Oracle of Tibet and his, uh, his that five of his months back to uh, the United, United States Bay Area. So
0: well, you really brought excited. him on to a better world, and the Lama Lama Tenzin many years ago. We had them both on. yeah uh, yes. To you know proceed with. Uh, the wisdom of the Oracle of what he sees is going on, you know, on the planet, and uh, Lama Tenzin to share his incredible heart, as you're saying, uh, with our audience uh, and the good, amazing work that he's doing. I want to ask, however, is there any effort to uh, educate the uh, indigenous Tibetans up there in that part of Nepal? so that they might think differently and uh, cease to carry on that kind of, let's just say, steeped in superstition kind of practice?
1: You know, interesting that you... Because otherwise it looks uh,
0: like it's emergency medicine instead of preventative.
1: Oh, this is a very great question you've asked, and the exciting part is that, yes, in fact, the proof is in the pudding. So what we've been doing is we've been bringing the girls back to Upper Dolpo oh. last year, and the the, oh. the family could not believe the success. And the one one of the tribal chiefs there uh, wanted yeah. um, wanted have uh, a Dolpo to come back to stay there, you know, so she could oh. take care of the cattle, take care of the yak. And, you know, bring him his yeah his, his butter tea every day. Well, oh. she said no, and she was studying to be a lawyer, and when she finished, got her law degree, she would then, she then wants to come back and fight for the women's rights up there. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's brilliant. what's happening, and they were shocked. They're always shocked to see the advancement, and they're seeing the power that these girls have now. So, it's 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 happening, and um, it's happening just by the fact that they are seeing these transformed beings alive and well and thriving. Oh, my. Yes, we do go back, and we are organizing another trip for 2016 to go back there as well.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Oh my God, that's such good work. And uh, we have a diminishing number of uh, minutes here, but I want to ask you, because you've done also so much in the, in Asia, Cambodia, and elsewhere regarding um, landmines and the way that's affected, they've affected children and others, and you have a whole project. Could you just tell our audience a little bit about that?
1: The most encouraging, I think, um, organization right now in in India is called the, their chief patron, D.R. Mehta, who's a Jain, by the way, a
2: spectacular
1: mm-hmm. human being. He has funded and gotten this organization that does prosthetics. They They give for free prosthetics. To anyone, because Dr. to feels that someone that's lost a limb should not have to pay to get a limb. That loss yeah. is payment enough. And anyone that can get there, he gives these limbs to. And I tell you, these limbs are fabulous. They last longer than the titanium prosthetics that we spend ten and fifteen and twenty thousand dollars for in this country. They so also have flexible foot. So the the, the people that are our are, are Muslim friends and our Hindu friends and our Buddhist friends that need to pray and kneel, and they this is a flexible foot so they can still get up and down. They're far more mobile, yeah. and yeah. the gyproc foot is is now in many countries, and they are just spectacular. And I can't say enough. They also last longer than this, the the titanium. Um, so we are in the so process of introducing the dry forefoot to the United States in the hopes that we can use the – and also the great thing is it looks like a leg. So at a distance, it does not look like someone's lost their leg. And they can also coordinate the color of the skin tone with the dry yes. forefoot, the prosthetic. So and, uh-huh. and wearing shoes is not an issue. So there's so many different reasons why this could be seen as a temporary um, until they get the fancy whatever if they want it. Um, yeah. But we um, we have a long way to go because, of course, in this country, we have barriers like the FDA and all these sorts of hurdles that you have to go through. Um, yes. Yeah. But in the meantime, the dry foot is a lot of unwell and helping to make people ambulatory because, as you know, in, in developing countries, if you – can't walk, you're you're out of business, that you're out of work and you really sure. die. So sure. um and and the interesting thing here, the crazy part of our system in the United States is that our insurance will cover one prosthetic. But it will only cover that one. So if and the, everyone knows these prosthetics don't last forever. They maybe last for three years. And then yeah. the, your insurance will not give you another one. So the problem is that if you do not have a prosthetic, you're not going to be ambulatory or walk. The chances if you particularly have diabetes or something that forced you to have your one leg amputated, your your second leg will probably have to be amputated as well because you're not mobile. So yes. um it's just an insane system we have and that's a topic for another day and probably exactly. many shows. But
2: the exactly. lack of
1: equity in our and, and the lack of uh, you know, I mean, these are plain, Ugh. this is based on stupidity. But anyway. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah. We, but that harkens back to where uh, we began the entire conversation, which has to do with bringing equity, human equity, into the marketplace, into the business world. That's where it belongs. That's where it should never have left. And that's where I, you know, Jackie, I have said so many times, I feel like it's been the, uh, the cutting edge of business that has actually helped to bring us to the brink of human and environmental disaster and catastrophe, quite honestly. And I also think that it's going to be in the same domain of business that's going to bring us back. Jackie, did I lose you? You're breaking up, so it's hard to hear you. Jackie. Okay, it's talk about remote places. Don't think she's calling from Nepal, but <laughs> uh, wherever with a cell phone. Can you hear me has, now? I can hear you. Yes. What was it you said? It's going back and forth.
1: Your work is. I'm sorry. The- it's. Last statement? I said the work is the most important, bringing a better world to the forefront and bringing kindness and love to the world.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. Jackie Miller, we will.